0: Have your doubts ever stopped you from accomplishing your goals? What you doing from the beginning before you even started? Coming up on today's GYST podcast, we discuss why you should define your fears instead of your goals. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the GYST podcast, where we discuss topics to help you get your together. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, the GYSD podcast crew proudly presents another episode of your favorite podcast where we help everyone to get there.
1: shit get
0: together. To introduce myself, I, my name is Jansen. To my left
2: is... Rod Rohila,
1: Scott Change? It's Patrick Liam. <laughs> <Leo. laughs> I'm sorry, I, it's going to be Change you gotta, it, until you guys change me, it on the, rest, right? uh, on the website. Never oh, change.
2: Boy. Never change, Scott.
3: And then on my left is... Uh, oh, Patrick Liam. I'm... <laughs> Still impressed by your last name.
2: Yeah. That's my fault. My fault. If you go, uh, audience, if you go to GYSTpodcast.com right now, uh, the episode that we introduced Scott on, now his last name is Chang, C H A N G. Is it? It was <laughs> auto corrected to Scott Change, C A. A-N-G-E. It's,
3: it's like, it's your DJ name here, you know? <laughs> yeah. This, yes. is, I'll take it. I'll this take is a it. Scott change, <laughs> giving you the new change to your life. And I will be
1: introducing myself as Scott change until that gets changed. Nah, never changed. <laughs> That's never changed.
3: Vita out, you're outvoted. <laughs> All right, let's get back to
1: it.
0: All right, on that high note, so today we have a video from Tim Ferris, which uh, the title of it's why sh- you should define your fears instead of your goals. So, he talks about why setting your fears is better than like defining your goals where you need to know what you are afraid of and how to tackle them and dissecting them and knowing those things and you can repair it prevent it so you don't you don't keep doing it right um one of the first thing he talked about is stoicism and that's the endurance of pain or hardship without displaying of feelings, without complaining. So, it's going through your life. You know, life happens. Stoicism is like, stop bitching about it. Just follow along and things will be fine. And uh, stoicism itself was founded by a man named Zeno of Citium.
1: I'm glad you could pronounce that because I could not. C-
0: I think it's Citium. Like Citibank. No, we're not sponsored, so... Sidium. Not yet, guys. Not yet. So um, it believes that a path to happiness we discovered through um, accepting the world for what it is rather than expecting it to be something that it is not. Being resistant to the draws of desire, addiction, pleasure, fear, or pain. Understanding our own nature and acting in accordance with it. Living with virtue and the Stoic virtues were temperance, courage, wisdom, and justice. So on that, like, how do you guys, what do you guys think about stoicism itself?
1: I mean, we touched about, like, we dabbled into it in a couple of earlier episodes about worrying about what actually you can control as opposed to what you can't control. Which, I mean, every day, like, my perfect example is, you know, I can't control how my sales go at the market, but I can control how many bouquets I make, how hard I work, and that should, in turn, hopefully, mean better sales have a busier day at the market.
0: Yeah. as a first step. You show up. That's a choice. Like the weather is bad. You still show up.
3: It's a strange concept to me. I've never associated that as to something that could be successful. When you started listing off people who are utilizing that but in, in successful fields, I was shocked. I would have never s- suspected that. I mean, he, he
1: also mentioned, like, you know, I like th- that the fact that it decreases, what do you say, decreases emotional reactivity, which, I mean, emotions are strong. Like, you're just going to knee-jerk reaction. Let's say if you're angry, you're probably not going to be focused on the con- the task at hand. Um, I like it because, you know, it allows you to slow down, take a look back, and then realize what you need to do as opposed to just, oh, okay, well, it's a slow day. I'm angry. I'm going to step away from the table. Or, you know, that's the last thing you need to do.
0: Yeah, I think stoicism, it's more accepting that things are happening. Like, life happens. And then you're the one that has control too combat what happens to you, right? Like, your determination, your consistency in life, that's how you tackle all these weird roadblocks that comes up. What do you do? You think about, oh, I'm just going to quit? Well, the moment you start, like, stop failing, right? The moment you stop failing is when you fail. You've watched that D&D movie, that's a life lesson. So, don't ever stop failing. Just keep going. So, another thing that he talked about was... uh, fear setting and he, he has a chart where he separate three things where he said, what if I do something? And he defines one thing as the worst thing they can imagine if taking that step. And the next is prevent. What can I do to decrease the likelihood of define? Like what can I do to prevent the first step from that from happening? And then repair is if it happens, what can be done to recover? So, what might be the benefits of an attempt or partial success? Like, how do you, how do you guys, do you guys have to do something like that in, in your daily life? You think of like, hey, if I do a certain thing, if it fails, what is my contingency plan? Right? I'm sure you have a plan B of something. You don't
2: just roll the dice on everything you do. Yeah, I think most people do though. Yeah. Um, I would say most people don't have a plan B because they act off of instinct. And the reason why they believe instinct is going to work is because they're doing things that are inside of their comfort zone. I believe most people don't set any goals and they just kind of go along life as is. And what that means is everything within your comfort zone. So they're not stretching. And because they're not stretching, they don't necessarily need a plan B. If, if you aren't planning at all and you're just letting life happen to you, I don't think most people are proactive enough in even that to come up with a plan B.
0: Do you think some people are, like some some people are the pro at, at something that they do. Do you think they still need to do a plan B because they have all the skill set that can tackle whatever comes? Let's say, I don't know, carpenter, something explodes and pain everywhere. It's like, oh, I got this. I know how to take care of that.
2: Yeah, I. so I can tell you this. I would consider myself a bit of a professional when it comes to speaking. When I am giving a seminar, I can't tell you the amount of backups I have. Uh, So, for example, I have two physical clocks with me that I bring that I place in the back of the room just in case one fails because I don't want to be up there speaking and going over in time for the next workshop piece to happen. You know, if, if I know, okay, this section only takes 15 minutes, I don't want to be like, let me, let me look at my watch here, you know, cause, cause that throws off the professionalism so I can just look in the back. But in doing so I have multiple watches back there. When I do an event, I record myself two different times. I've got my surface on the side that has the mic that's recording everything. And I've got, uh, my, uh, mm-hmm digital voice recorder in my pocket, mic'd up recording everything. Even when I was at Microsoft, I was, I remember one event that I was doing. I was up on stage in front of 4,000 people. It was just an internal event, 4,000 internal Microsoft employees. They had, and, and I was showing them stuff on the computer. Not only did they have the computer that I was using, but they had two identical backups ready to go in case one fails, boom, here's the next one. Nice. Uh, I I think people who are professionals get that way because they understand how to react when something goes bad. That's where I feel like the professionalism comes in. Instead of just overreacting, like, oh my God, like what am I gonna do? I I you know, in the agenda, for example, on, on the workshops that I do, I have Two additional, no, sorry, four additional workshops that, sorry, not workshops, modules that I can go to, uh, two are 15 minutes and two are 30 minutes. That way, depending on, because it goes from seven to four. So usually around two o'clock, I know if I'm ahead or behind and I can just plug one of those in. But again, you, you get that by experience. And I think that's what professionalism will lend you is knowing what your backups are. I don't want to, oh, it's, it's three thirty. I guess we're done early and oh, Bye, guys. you can have a half hour back of your time. You know, <laughs> how, how often do we hear that? So yeah, I, I think when it comes to professionalism, maybe they, maybe just redundancy is their plan B.
0: Yeah. Cause you've, you've done something so many times, you know, where it's like a puzzle piece. So you, I guess the puzzle more like a railroad, I don't know. It's if you're missing a piece, then that's uh, fine. I know, I know how to nudge the other one in. It'll fit. All right, don't <laughs> worry about it.
1: It's like you know where the points of failure are going to be, and you know how to plan for it, pretty much. Yeah.
0: So I mean, uh, that's that's still having a backup, though, right? Yeah. Like, you can't just wing it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out and hope for the best. That,
1: <laughs> I mean, this subject came up perfectly because I took an impromptu trip to Florida, and I had to like list out like what my options were, like you know because. It was last minute, so I was like, can I afford this trip? So I'm I'm writing it down. No, I'm too poor. There's no flight. There's no room for me to stay, and the weather's going to be terrible. I'm like, well, that's the worst that can happen. And then, like, well, how to prevent all this stuff? So, well, I'm too poor. I just work a couple extra days. So that's what I'm doing. I worked, like, three weeks leading up to this trip, two and a half weeks, just to get some extra cash, just in case to cover anything that happened wrong or went wrong. And then, like, you know— had no, having no flight. The issue was like, well, one, I hate losing a day when I fly across the country. So I just like, well, I'll take a red eye. There's plenty of seats on the red eye. And then, two, when I get there, it's the morning of, I can just take a power nap or something and just go through the rest of the day. It's no big deal. And then, with no room, I was just asking around, hey, you know, my friend's down there. I was like, Is it all right, if I just stay with you guys? And you're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, there's plenty of room. So I'm like, okay, well, there's my hotel cost down. I don't have to worry about that. And then, you know, Weather, just bring a sweater, bring an extra, you know, rain jacket, which you know it was used to it. No, it was. I that's the one thing I kind of forgot. (laughs) Well, because like I looked at the weather, it was supposed to be gorgeous all day there, uh, for the whole week I was there, except for the one day we needed it to be sunny, uh, because we were at a music festival or a music show, and it just downpoured on us for a bit. But it wasn't too bad. I mean, how's,
0: the, how's the rain there, though? Is it, like, warm or just super cold?
1: It's, think about it, it's it's like Hawaii's rain. Because the when the rain goes through, it rains for, like, 10, 15 minutes, and it stops. Like, okay. up here in Seattle, it rains for, like, an hour and a half, two, three hours, and it just kind of goes. But, you know, it's not a heavy rain. It's, like, a drizzle usually. Yeah. So that's why, you know, if you're not a local, we all know when
2: you got your umbrellas out. <laughs> you're not from around here. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, well,
0: I think the one good thing is focusing on your... Um, something that might go wrong versus Mm -hmm. a goal is you set a goal. That's the best thing that can happen, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not really thinking about what can go wrong. You're not prepping for that. you just say, oh, if I do these things, if they all go well, then my goal is going to be achieved. Versus this one. It's, oh, if I don't do these things, what might fail? And then I can prevent it from happening. So I think that's a better way to tackle some of the stuff that you have. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do something, oh, these things are going to happen. How do I recover from that? Um, another thing he talked about is the cost of inaction, mm-hmm. which is uh, emotionally, physically, and financially. You should set one up. Of um, I think every quarter he mentioned, something that cost of inaction of six months, a year, and three years. I believe there's something like, it's something that you don't do. What are the, the, the ripple effects? of that happening in six months, a year, and in three years. (coughs) Excuse me. So do you guys do something like that? Do you think about like, hey, if I need to achieve something, if I don't do something, what's gonna happen in six years or whatever amount of time that might happen?
2: Yeah, I love this one. This one really spoke to me because when I, so far, whenever you think about not doing something, you think about the, the current moment if, if I don't do something, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. I'm embarrassed or whatever, and, and I don't want to do it. And, and that's all you think about. What I like about this is you really start thinking, okay, by you not taking action, what are you setting yourself up for? Uh, you know, it, it, at the beginning, the first part of this, what he does is he has you thinking about the worst case scenario, right? And then kind of planning accordingly but I want to know what if the worst case scenario is you just not taking action. Yeah. Cause what that does to your mindset is you're telling yourself you are allowed to back out of stuff that you don't want to do. And where else does that propagate in your life? That to me was, was probably the most powerful thing is, is the cost of inaction. Um, Earlier uh, I was, I was coaching someone and and we were talking about this exact same thing. Everything has a cost and a benefit to it. If we take uh, the, the four of us, for example, who are in the studio today, by the way, Glenn couldn't make it. He's at a conference in Seattle. Miss you buddy. Um, But if you, if you take the four of us, right, Scott, Patrick, Jansen, myself, what is the benefit that we're gaining from sitting here today, recording this podcast episode? It's, you know, we're, we're hanging out with our friends. We're bonding. We're bonding. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about personal development. We're, we're growing individually. We are doing a service to the world. But at the same time, there's also a cost. Like, who else could we be spending this time with that we're not right now? What other projects could we be doing that we're not doing right now?
1: I have no friends, just to let you guys know. I, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be doing. I wish I knew how to quit you guys. You know, but,
2: <laughs> but yeah. when, when we think about positive outcomes, we only think about the benefits. But when it comes to negative outcomes, we only think about the cost. But knowing that every single decision has a cost and a benefit to it, that's really what gets you forward thinking. Just like buying a car or even simpler than that. If, if I go to the market, I see Beecher's Cheese right across from there Just, at Pike Place Market. Is our boy Scott Chang at Sealy Farms? Look, I love, plug. Yeah, I love the shameless plug. Um, I love that
1: you're doing most of the plugs for me. I'm not doing anything.
2: <laughs> Whatever works. Yes. But, but if I if I if I go to Pike Place Market and I see Scott and I'm like, I would like to buy this twenty dollar bouquet, right? What all I'm thinking about is the benefit to me. The benefit is I get some nice, lovely flowers, right? What I don't think about is the cost oh, shoot, now i got to walk around downtown Seattle for the next three hours holding a bouquet of flowers. Like, that's a cost. The, and it's not just monetary. It's, it's beyond that. It's not like, oh, I, I'm out $20. Because what we need to think about is the long-term effect of other costs that that has. And so that's the part that really resonated with me is, is just the cost of inaction. Because I think when you really think about the things that you don't do, that you wish you did, mm. you know. Like regrets. One of my favorite quotes is: "When you're younger, you regret the things that you did. When you grow older, you regret the things that you didn't do."
0: I don't really know how to combat that. It's, I always try to do things. That just, I just, I'll think about later. I'll just do it. I try to not have any regrets, which I don't think I do. But am I going to regret it later? Never know. You apply any of this in your journey through your weight loss, Patrick? It's like, hey, if I uh, if I mm-hmm. eat this BS, I'm going to have to work out for like three days.
3: Not I... not as much as you would think. No? Um, because cause I, I still have, you know, what you would call a cheat day. I, I would eat what I want. But I wouldn't go and say, oh, if I do this, I'm going to have to, here's the cost to it. I'm going to have to work out extra hard. I just do it. And just get back on my normal routine track.
0: So you take the fall. And then you just mm. work harder.
3: Well, no, not, not even that. It's it's just knowing that, it you know, you're human and you're going to want these things. As long as it's not an everyday thing. I'm not having like a piece of chocolate or a candy every single day. But, you know, once a month is perfectly fine. And it doesn't affect, you know, I don't beat myself up from from having uh, Farelli's pizza the other night, eating like half of the box. Because that's not something that I do on a daily basis. That's only once a month, once a quarter sort of thing.
2: May I I do a a shameless plug real quick, Scott? Yeah, what's up? For you. Um, So one of Scott's friends is me. And a shameless plug (laughs) is... (laughs) (laughs) Um, gonna double check on that one. So I'm I'm writing a book. It's about procrastination. It is called I'll Do It Tomorrow Ends Today. One of the topics that I talk about is the cheat day and how you are self-sabotaging when it comes to cheat days. So Patrick... I will autograph a book just for that, you. Uh, just,
3: just so to know that I'm on the right track here was is my thought process wrong or correct?
2: Um, so it what you really want to take a look at is the effect of, of that action on the mindset. One of the things that we say on this podcast is how you do anything is how you do everything. So the thought process of I've eaten healthy, let, let's just say six, week, six days out of the week, I deserve a cheat day that has a lot of negatives to it because one, what you're doing is essentially undoing the past week, even though it's only one meal. Like if you think about what that's doing to your body, it's not giving your body full chance to really detoxify for the, from the bad foods, but even more so it's the mindset you are doing the cheat day because you enjoy it. Right. Mm. It, it brings you pleasure that you don't normally yeah. get throughout the week. It's like, man, I'm I'm eating rice cakes and and now I get pizza or, you know, exaggeration there but what that does is reinforce your mind that the rice cakes are gross and you don't want to do it
0: yeah do you think the rice cakes are gross no no
3: i'm just
2: saying it's, it, it's almost you like go. you
1: know we we do it with children too whether exactly we don't we don't realize we're doing it it's yeah. like well well Tammy, you can't have your 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 pie until you eat all your broccoli so that's just you know
2: did you read an early copy? Because that's literally the example I use. Really, Timmy? No. Timmy, broccoli, and
0: pizza. Was it Timmy? A pie.
1: But well, no. But no. Like, no. But like, it's just. Yeah. It's like that. Like you know, you know, growing up as a kid, that's what you like, you would always say that. Just because, well, you know, you have to eat your broccoli, or else you won't get your dessert. Well, that automatically makes broccoli bad. Mm-hmm. So forever growing up, whether that kid realizes or not, you know, he's gonna hate broccoli.
3: I would have used pudding and meat. Huh? All right.
1: Yeah. But still, it's just. It's something you don't, most people don't realize they're doing. It's just the phrasing of that whole thing.
2: You're villainizing the vegetables, or in this case, the broccoli, and making the hero the, the dessert. And so the same thing happens. The, the long-term effect of that is the child's going to grow up with the hero being dessert. And so when they're feeling bad about themselves, what are they going to do? They're going to go to the dessert, which is why you know, it, it's tough for people to pass a dessert plate because of the happiness it brings them.
0: What if, you say, better eat your pie before you get to the broccoli? Right? Broccoli for life.
1: Yeah, I like how we're digging into, like, the mental side of this. I mean, cause for me, a, the cost of inaction is pretty big with, with work. Like, if I don't, with farming, you have to plan months in advance, if not years. So, let's say if I take a slack week, like, two or three weeks out of this month, that means I'm going to have a terrible, neck, like, my terrible, like, summer season flowers won't be planted. Everything's going to be late. Things might be dead. And that means I'm going to pay for it later. Um, I mean like with my trip, just something simple and awesome and fun, you know, like in six months, you know, I might regret not taking a break while I could have, I had like a a week break or two week period where I could have gone like a year. It's like, oh, you know, what happens is like, oh, I'll make an excuse. Oh, year, a year goes by. Oh, I'll go next year. I'll go next year. I'll go next year. And then that's just put off. And, like, and you know, and what was the last one? Three years? Three years. I'm not even going to think about it. It's like, oh, I didn't go the last two, three years. I don't even think about it now. Why well, bother it now. It now? It's no big deal. I could just brush it off. And I'm glad I actually went because it means I'm, I am had a blast. I'm probably going to go every year if I can. Yeah. And, you know, it's a week during a slow season for me. I mean, I have no huge knock to go.
0: You can probably plan ahead next time, right? Like work a little even harder in the summertime. Yeah, Let's, yeah, totally. Just bank that up and...
1: Yeah, just a bunch of unforeseen things at the start of the year that just put a damper into it. But it was like, no, mm-hmm. I worked that extra two weeks. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be off for a week. I could take a break off.
0: So another quote that he has, it's from one of his friends, uh, Jersey Gregory, and the quote says, "Easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. The biggest problem we never." be soft without uncomfortable conversations. I think that's crazy because that's one of those things like, okay, now I got to think about what is it that I'm making easy choices that are affecting my life later on. I have to make the hard choice and then I can't be like, oh, well, I should have done this a while ago. Right? Like,
3: I don't know. I love this quote. I even wrote it down.
0: Yeah, you a tattoo on your butt. I
3: I might get it. I, <laughs> well, I might add it to my tattoo. I, first, we got to figure
0: cool. out
1: who. Uh, <laughs> his yeah. friend was a Jersey. He's a was it four time world champion a Olympic, Olympic weightlifter. Yeah. It's, He's a poet and what did you say? Was a modern day stoic. Uh, he was a part of the solidarity movement in Poland. It's pretty much a nonviolent movement, and for like pretty much for social change. And pretty much they got violently suppressed by the government. Uh, I think his mentor was killed. Uh, he was threatened, and he had to flee to the U.S. and like sleeping in friends, like on like on the floor. floors and like couches, just bouncing around until he actually, you know, pretty much like pulled himself out of it with stoicism.
0: I need to look this guy up because it seems like he he left with nothing, and then he like literally started from the bottom. Now he's here. I wonder what like what his story is and what he was doing to get there. So. Maybe that, I would save that to another episode of this Jersey guy. because It seems like a cool dude because Tim Ferriss is like, yeah, he's one of my, one of the people that he always talks to. So,
3: it, If I were to take that quote and kind of retranslate it a little bit, or at least my meaning, mm-hmm. Yiddish. it would be, okay. y- stay in your comfort zone. You're going to have, you're going to have a hard life. Expand your comfort zone and challenge yourself. Your life will become easier because of who you become. Oh, definitely. Love it.
0: So you I mean, make the hard of to change, and then your life yeah. becomes easier. Yeah. Because you're, you're, like, you're grown. Um, I'm cool with this. I'll just do it later. That's an easy choice. Yeah. And then all that comes to bite you in the ass. And then you have to decide, Hmm, it's do like, I keep doing this? It's
3: like playing Elden Ring, you know, the hard, the hard <laughs> boss. Once you beat it, you're going to have a much easier time playing the game.
0: Okay. Game is life, and life is game.
1: I mean, for, <laughs> for me, it kind of hits, you know. It's a Original
2: quote by Chance. <laughs> Don't use it.
1: It's sort of a family thing for me. Like, um, I don't know my my uh, extended family very well. It's just we're the only ones up in here in Seattle and Washington State. Every, I think uh, everybody kind of moved out when I was probably about two or three years old. And I, I never understood why until I got older, probably like my mid-teens or so. And that's when my mom explained everything to me. And, you know, she pretty much said, like, when we moved here um, – A lot of my uncles, they stayed around for about a year, and then they realized they were getting more money from the government in, like, California. So all of them decided to move down there. It was easier. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to work as hard because they were getting huge checks from, well, not huge, but enough for them to live on and then have some extra. Uh, I believe, you know, Washington State didn't have that big of a welfare, like, budget. But pretty much, you know, it, it was the easiest path for them. Like, the easy choice. Yeah, why not move down there? All we can just do is we can just live our day-to-day lives. We're never going to be hungry. We'll have extra money to spend on whatever. But I'm, I'm glad my mom pretty much put her foot down, the high commander. She's like, no, we have, like you know, one, she was pregnant with me at the time, so she ain't going anywhere. And then, two, uh, they just started farming. It's like, we already have a business that we're just starting up right now. We have a way to make money. It's not that much, but it's ours. So we don't have to wait for somebody to hand it to us. Um, I'm not knocking, like, welfare or anything because it's a great program. I understand why it's there. Um, But with my family, they just, oh, it was was easy. Like, they didn't have to work. They didn't want to work. And, you know, unfortunately now, you know, they didn't make the best decisions with their money. You know, they love the casino. I hate it. I hate to say it. And what what happened now is, like, a lot of them got sick. They don't have any savings, and that burden fell to their kids. So my cousins now have to take care of, pretty much their aging parents and everything. And it, it kind of breaks my heart. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm so glad, you know, we never went down there with them. We just kind of stayed up here.
0: Well, oh, oh, may i wait. just
2: say one more thing before we uh I know, you know, when to wrap it up. Um what what I really liked about this episode and and especially this video by Tim Ferris. Uh if you'd like to take a look at it, just YouTube Tim Ferris Fear Setting. What I liked was he designed this to combat his own fear and anxiety. I deal with a lot of people who have anxiety and it's the fear of the unknown that holds them back because they imagine the worst case scenario all the time. If you want to hear this dude's story, I mean, I I think he said he has had over 50 depressive episodes. episodes. Um, When he started thinking about this, he was on the verge of suicide. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot more than you hear about the four-day work week and, and his success there. The dude is legit. What, what people who have high anxiety do is they catastrophize everything. For them, it always is the worst-case scenario. What he does with, with this fear setting is, first off, acknowledge that because you owe it to yourself. You can't just say, oh, Man, I there I go again, catastrophizing. No, feel the fear, and then come up with a plan around it. And the plan is taking a look at it logically. You know, so in in the first part, he's like, "What's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, if that worst thing does happen, how do I fix it? Cool, let me make a plan around that." But then the second part is, "Let me get out of my head. Let me let me really look at this. Like, if if worst comes to worse and I don't do this, what are the consequences?" And that's such a fantastic way of thinking about something. And um, I just want to draw attention to that. So if, if you are a audience member who feels anxiety, look up fear setting by Tim Ferriss.
0: Yeah, I think identifying your fears, knowing what's worst that can happen, um, you can plan on it. So you're not emotionally shocked when something comes up, right? So I think that's important. So I don't know. It's, it's a thing where you set yourself up to succeed while knowing how you can fail. And that's pretty powerful. So the audience, we ask you to identify if it's more important to define your fears than defining your goals. What's stopping you from doing what you want to do? And can you defeat your fears by using the define, prevent, and repair model? Try it out, see if it works for you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone for listening to our GYST podcast. We hope you learned how to get your f- together.